Imagine That Studios, in association with Ace Books, presents Tales from the Archives, Volume 4, the official anthology of the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences. I think you might like this case, Eliza. Ooh, something from Austria? Oh, there are many things I like about Austria. The pastries, the coffee, the dukes. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant. This one concerns an empress. That reminds me of you. How so? My my intelligence? My wit? The way I catalogue? I was thinking more of her imperious nature. If I found that anything but a compliment, Wellington. It wasn't a joke, Eliza. I meant her fine sense of fashion. I do remember you admiring my corsets rather closely. Before you go down that path, my dear, I suggest you read the case. The Black Empress by Katarina Bordet. Death himself, you say? Sissy asked, her eyes fixed on the man in front of her. Clasped hands graced with the finest lace tightened as she rested her elbows lightly on her knees, giving this most powerful of women the look of a lioness preparing to pounce on her prey. She leaned further forward in her chair, trying to assess whether the story her subject had brought before her was true. The man just gave a slight nod in reply. And how, Mr. Lucchini, do you intend to arrange this meeting? That, my empress, is why I have returned so promptly. This earned him a single sceptical raised eyebrow, but no other comment, so the young Italian continued. The machine. It's flawed. We need more money. I mean, I need it. The experiments have been promising, but there is still some work to do. France will get suspicious if more money disappears, Sis interjected. The Emperor does not need to know. He shall never know. Fear and anger lit Sissy's face simultaneously as she rose from the throne. Lucane instinctively took a step backwards without moving his eyes from the woman who seemed to become more beautiful as her emotions leaped to a new level. He was unsure if she would continue to fund the project, but from what he had seen so far, he had more than just a gut feeling as to how deep her longing went, her longing to face death. Lucchini, you are dismissed. I shall send word when I have made a decision. He left the throne room after giving a short bow, but could feel her stare follow him out. Sissy returned to her chambers, deep in thought, barely noticing the sun begin its slow rise over Vienna, capital of her empire. The Empress knew, deep inside, that she would do whatever it took to make sense of her life the gaping hole that the death of her children had left. She needed an answer. Death was the one who could give it to her. Welcome to the Imperial and Royal Hatmaker, the young woman said cheerfully as the grim-looking gentleman with the white-brimmed hat and dark cloak entered her shop. I'm here for the new delivery deer stalkers, he said, a voice so deep it almost seemed to rumble. Naturally, sir. Would you follow me, please? 
After checking that there was nobody else around to see, she led him behind the counter and then through a door into the back of the shop. Halfway along the corridor, she stopped to point towards the door on her right-hand side and addressed the man. The agents are waiting for you, sir. If you would care to enter, she said, before quickly returning to the front of the shop and resuming a place behind the counter. The man placed his hand on the doorknob, turned it and walked down the steps, which led into the basement. Two people were already standing down there, waiting for him. He was seldom nervous, but he felt positively uncomfortable at having to rely on foreigners to deal with matters of the Empire. Yet, if it had been simply imperial business, he wouldn't have been so bothered. Now, there was much more at stake. Come in. Sit down. Said the first of the waiting figures, walking towards him and offering his hand. Cloaked man looked down at the hand and hesitantly stretched out his own gloved hand to shake. Thank you for coming on such short notice. The low rumble said with an unmistakable Germanic accent. You're welcome, I suppose. But to us this is simply an assignment, as you know. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Agent Craig, of the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences. And this... He gestured toward a young, red-haired woman who stepped out from the shadows. His agent, Murray. The young woman just nodded and retreated again. The visitor looked around and saw a desk with chairs and sat down on one, letting out a big sigh as he did. Everything that he wanted to say that had happened over the last couple of months was running through his head, but nothing came from his mouth. Both Her Majesty's agents were looking at him, but weren't speaking either. Craig sat down on the table across from his guest and looked at him, waiting to find out what was behind this mysterious assignment in Vienna. The Empress has gone mad, the man began. Craig tilted his head. Is it normal in Austria to talk about your Empress like that? The guest cleared his throat, ignored the question and continued. Mysterious things are going on in the palace. Things I cannot explain. She disappears for hours, has strange visitors. The palace is worried. I am worried. And who exactly are you? Murray's voice came out from the corner. That has nothing to do with anything. It is between me and Director Sound. He stared back at the woman who twitched uncomfortably because all she could see was the shade of his hat and collar. Anyway, where was I? The Empress, Elizabeth. She hasn't been quite herself for some time now. Ever since the heir apparent, Rudolf, committed suicide, she has been dabbling in dark things. Dangerous things. No one is allowed in the cellars anymore. Even I. And then, when the Emperor wanted to put a stop to it, even he went down there, but couldn't find anything. Just empty cellars. And then one night there was a loud crash and the whole palace shook. It was like an earthquake. Things were flying and falling everywhere, and a young man, one of the palace guards, was killed when a statue broke and fell on his head as he was doing his rounds. Up until that day, there had been rumours amongst the people, rumours that the Empress had gone crazy, that she was going on her many travels to faraway places in order to work on things that nobody can comprehend. Some even go so far as to say she is endangering the safety of her people. And they use that young guard's death as an excuse to follow her madness. To some degree, I was able to help her shake some of these off. The, the grief of a mother over her lost son 
is something that people can understand, for example. But the more time passes, the more evil the rumours become. Then the, the Hungarians. Discontent is brewing there. If people don't recover their faith in the empire and the monarchy, there will be war. All of Europe will be at war. The man implored. That doesn't explain why we're here to help. Craig said. An earthquake and a grief-stricken empress might be bad. But I'm not sure why we're here as opposed to... I don't know. Diplomats or the royal family. None of it sounds terribly peculiar to me. Well, I was going to get to that. I just tried to make sense of it all. It's easier to talk about the things that are easy to explain rather than... I don't know. By this point, the man sounded lost and utterly confused. His whole stature seemed to be slumping down into himself. Although nothing about him gave the impression of weakness, he had reached that point when the strongest of men realised that being strong might sometimes mean having to ask for help. It's okay. We're no strangers to strange things. The agent said calmly. All right. So, guards were placed to take note of everyone going in and coming out of the cellars, once nothing had been found down there. You see, people kept going down. People with special decrees from the Empress. No one had any explanation of what they did there. They were never quite the same when they came back. No. Not the same at all. It was as though they had physically changed or transformed whilst they were down there. None of the man had Craig's attention, but he just said, I see. And gave the man a gentle nod to indicate he should continue. The earthquake wasn't natural either. It was right underneath the palace itself. Nowhere else in the country was it felt, only by those living in and around the palace. I felt it, and I swear to you that it came from directly below. I just don't want more people to get hurt, because the Empress is involved in things she shouldn't be. What do you want us to do? Enter the cellars and find out what is hidden there. Whatever is going on, I'm sure the answer is down there. Is there anyone in the palace we can trust? Or is this a completely secret mission? Murray asked. What do you think? Even though she couldn't see the man's face any clearer than as a jumble of indistinct shadows, she knew he wore a mocking expression that matched the tone of his voice. Her partner stood up next to her, letting her feel as though her question wasn't completely unjustified. We need full access to the palace, said Craig firmly. If we are to have any chance of finding out more about these events, if they are indeed within our field of expertise. He was still sceptical about their assignment in Austria. Whatever was going on in the palace could have just as well sprung straight out of the imagination of the man who sat in front of them. Whether they deserved to end up following a madman's ramblings, Craig didn't know. How do you think this is supposed to work? The man demanded. You're a foreign agency. The Empress would behead me for high treason for just speaking to you. Yeah. Queen Victoria was a monarch before your Empress was even born. Agent Craig said impatiently. Yes, but she is merely a queen over here now, isn't she? The Austrian replied, tilting his head in mockery. Feel free to count the number of subjects of your Empress. Craig's tone turned icy. But you should not forget who invited us here in the first place. You wanted us to come and help, because of the goings-on at your court. 
The other man took off his hat and rested his head in his hands, letting out a big sigh. I know, I know. It's not easy relying on such fragile diplomatic bonds, and I don't even know what evil forces are at work in Vienna. The only opportunity I can think of is the masquerade ball at the weekend. I could make sure you get a hired staff for the event, maybe with the palace guards. That could work, Craig said, nodding slowly. At least it would allow us some freedom of movement through the palace. Very well. I shall get the paper sent to the hat shop. Be prepared. Not to worry. We are here now, and we will make our requiries in the meantime. Rest assured, we will do our utmost to find out what is going on here. This is by far not the most mysterious case we have ever had to deal with. With what should have been a reassuring smile, Her Majesty's agent shook his visitor's hand again, then waited until he had left the shop before turning to his partner. You see... I always thought Austrians were more into mystical and morbid, said to Murray, his partner. What do you mean? she asked. Well, I would have thought they would have had at least one institution like ours to investigate the more inexplicable things in life. Their empire reaches far, and some of the stranger tales from the Carpathians have reached our own shores. Maybe they're just too busy with their parties and wars to be bothered by such things. Or perhaps they've just become part of the old folk tales. In any case, the boss reckons it's good for diplomatic reasons, so let's get to work. Elizabeth, Empress of Austria, Queen of Hungary, looked into the gold-framed body-length mirror. Her long hair was so thick and heavy that her maid had to lift it out of the way for her. Once the dark waterfall of hair was hanging down the front of Sissy's shoulder, the maid took the ends of the corset's ribbon in her hands. Before she pulled Sissy's corset tighter, she looked over her shoulder at the elegant monarch who glanced back at her in the mirror. Go ahead, Marie. Pull it tighter. I'm sure I've lost that pound now. Of course, Your Majesty, Marie nodded before pulling the Empress corset even tighter. The maid admired the older woman, whose beauty was legendary throughout the Empire. Yet she knew that the 18-inch waist hair that reached to her knees and perfect skin were the result of daily hard work and a strict diet. It seemed to her that the Empress almost tortured herself by pushing her body to the limits, yet never managed to shake off her sadness. Marie thought that if she had been the most beautiful woman in Europe, she would be happier than Sissy. Finally, The Empress was satisfied with their latest efforts to make her waist thinner and thinner every day, and she dismissed Marie for the morning. As soon as the door had shut behind the maid, a single tear of pain ran down the Empress's cheek. She traced its way, then ran her hand down her corset to her skirt, where, in the silence of her chambers, a silent clicking could be heard. A small button on the edge of her corset unlatched the object, and only a second later, something dropped on the ground. Sissy took a mantle note to make Lucchini build her something that helped her pick it up from the floor as well when she reached down, straining herself from the new tightness of the corset she was not yet used to. Her diary lay heavy in her hand, as if every thought and secret written in it had added to its weight. Laid out on her table, she sat down to write, but was immediately interrupted by a beeping noise. Technology and inventions had only been creeping into Austria slowly, and that was thanks to Sissi. Tortured by her past, 
She thought that maybe science could give her the answers she so desperately sought. With a corset restrained sigh, she got up and walked to one of her cupboards after putting her diary back into its hiding place and taking a key from it. Another look around reassured her that she was alone, unseen, when she stepped in. The key fit perfectly into a small hole in the back of the cupboard and revealed the corridor behind it. Mary closed her trench coat over the weapons she was wearing whilst Craig hid another throwing knife in his boot. Then she picked up her briefcase, which contained more devices than her partner could operate, but that's what she was there for, she thought bitterly. Growing up in rural Scotland with a hand for tinkering but not using it on tractors, reading the works of Edison and Tesla was not becoming of a young lady growing up on an estate in the Highlands. Running away to London had seemed like a good idea at first, but now she was the tech girl for this arrogant English. She wasn't so sure anymore. After this assignment, she knew she'd go back home and do some soul-searching. Have you got the papers we need to get into the palace? Her partner asked. Of course I do. I'm not your secretary, she replied. Don't be so bitchy. It was just a question. Let's go and see what those imperial nutters are up to in Vienna. Have you tested the gun I built? You said you had yesterday, but I haven't heard anything. Oh, come on, Murray. It's a single barrel gun. How hard can it be? Stop talking down on my inventions. They've saved your life multiple times. Exactly. And I didn't have to read a manual for a single one of them. This is not some common gun. Its laser is even more precise than the Edison 300, and you haven't even asked about the nerve poison inside, which you would have had you read the one-page leaflet I wrote for you about it. Never thought you'd even remotely read a manual, and I never said it wasn't you who endangered your own life in the first place. What is wrong with you today? Stop nagging me. Let's go. You've got work to do, girl. He laughed at her outburst. Still chuckling, Craig left the hat shop wearing the uniform of the Austrian palace guard, with Agent Murray straight behind him. She was wearing the uniform as well, but hiding the fact that she was a girl. The cobbled streets were slightly wet and glowing in the streetlight. Her Majesty's agents were quickly walking towards the palace, fully armed and ready. Schimbrunn Palace was glowing in the light of the lamps and candles that had been put up for the masquerade ball. Inside the palace, the Empress had already spent many hours going through her beauty regime. She wasn't in the mood for a masquerade ball, but Elizabeth was hoping that it would distract her, if only for a night. The fact that Lucane and his helpers were busy working on the machine in the basement gave her solace. The Empress hoped this solace would help her get through the ball. There was a timid knock on the door, which revealed Marie, who had come to tell her the Emperor was waiting. Sissy sighed, wondering how her husband, who turned stranger, would treat her tonight. It had been similar when their daughter died, but after Rudolf's suicide, he was tiptoeing around her. Whenever she had tried to talk to him, he said it would be okay and that there was so much work to do. But it never was okay. Everything in the palace reminded her of her children, her lost children. So she started to travel and to start on her way to getting answers. Answers how death could have taken her precious children from her, and why. Franz Josef walked nervously up and down the hallway that led to his wife's quarters. He was so glad she came back in time for the ball. Running after her when she was travelling was really hard for the Emperor. He had to take care of his countries, after all. 
No, she was back in Vienna. He had a chance to talk to her. Maybe tonight she would agree to stay. Maybe tonight he would get his wife back. Mary and Craig were walking through the palace, making their rounds as they had been instructed. Every hour they passed the entrance to what they had been told were the cellars. As their guests had explained to them, they could now see for themselves that there were plenty of people walking down there, yet quite different people coming up. The masquerade ball only made matters more difficult, obscuring those who were their targets. The agents might have had perfect cover, but it really was not a good day to try and keep track of people. There was only one man who hadn't changed. In all of his regular walking up and down the stairs, he was rather small in statue, wore a long black cloak that was lined with deep red silk and his short black hair stuck out in all directions from beneath his top hat. The agents had immediately felt that something about his manner stood out and they would have to see what this man was up to. Each step he took was loaded with intent, as if he was walking back and forth to some very important destination, yet he never carried anything and never interacted with anyone else. The agents looked at each other in understanding and nodded, well practiced in this part of their task. As they followed the short man into the cellars, Craig's hand slipped into his jacket to check on his gun. It didn't sit quite right yet and he still missed his old revolver, which had accidentally exploded on his last mission. But he couldn't deny that Murray had done a great job on this one. One of the many things he would never admit to her. It was a long and dark corridor leading down full of nooks, twists and corners. The agents were soon glad of these when the first people came towards them. Once three of them had passed, Craig looked confused. Did they not see us? He asked. I don't know. It seems not. Strange. We've seen people going down and other people coming back upstairs, but the ones who come up really don't seem to be quite with it. We still need to find out more about the little fellow in the top hat. He seemed normal enough when he came back up. Mary nodded and walked on. He only had to walk in the direction from which the people were coming up the stairs in order to discover what was going on. It didn't take long until the corridor widened and they heard distant voices. Craig ducked into a side corridor which led away from the main one, pulling Murray with him. What are you doing? She asked, confused. We need to check out these rooms first before we get closer. You never know what we could run into if we just barge straight in. Mary rolled her eyes once he turned away but followed him. There was an eerie, flickering light coming from the side, which turned out to be a window that looked down into a large room below. A huge slab of machinery with a person-sized hole in the front stood in the middle of the room, with a queue of people stood just outside the entrance on the far wall. The agents watched the first person, an elderly, well-presented lady with a sparkling green gown and matching mask, whom they had seen earlier that evening, walk into the machine. Then almost instantly the noises began. A rattling and screeching sound came from the machine, which started to glow red and belch out smoke like a train. After only a few seconds, the noise and the lights died down, and a figure appeared in the door of the machine. It wasn't the same old lady who had entered. Indeed, it was clearly not even a real person. It was a middle-aged man in scruffy clothes who moved awkwardly and seemed to have no sense of his surroundings other than an uncertain drive that made him walk upstairs to an unknown destination. Not them, said a voice in an Italian accent. We need another one. But Lucchini, people are going to notice their friends are missing. 
a second voice implored. It does not matter. We need to bring them back for her, or give her a chance to talk to him. It must work. What's going to happen to all the others who came back? Do not worry about them. Send the next one in. So it continued. Another person walked into the machine, and another not fully person came out. Mary was eerily quiet, so Craig nudged her and shrugged. It took a while for her to react, as if she was pondering each letter in what she was going to say. When she did, it was Craig's turn to be stunned. Lazarus. Both were staring down, having trouble comprehending that someone had actually built a machine to bring back the dead. For what else could explain the unnatural demeanor of the people coming out of the machine? Since those entering the device completely disappeared, the agents knew that the machine demanded a sacrifice for each person it released from the other side. They both knew it had to be stopped, but not how. Murray pulled out her binoculars to see more of the machine, trying to make out how it worked and what, if anything, was its weak spot. Leaning on the windowsill, she slowly scanned over the parts of the supernatural device. Another one! came the command of the Italian. The recent one, replied the short man in the top hat as he stepped into view and pointed to the empty doorway. What do you mean, not another one? An authority female voice came from the door. The Italian and the short man fell to their knees. Your Majesty, it is merely the slightest glitch. We will be continuing in just a moment. Mary leaned out further to see who had just entered the room but placed too much weight on the window which swung open. Before Craig could even react, Murray was already falling towards the floor of the room underneath. Why, why, who's that? An uninvited guest. Well then, let's take her, if she's so curious, said the Empress Elizabeth with an icy voice. Murray looked up to see a pistol pointed straight at her head. The short man slightly swung the barrel of the gun, motioning for Murray to get up and step into the machine. The agent closed her eyes, praying that her partner wasn't far behind and tried to lift herself up, despite her aching bones. Craig was already standing right behind the door and took aim at the man with his gun pointing at Murray's head. He fired, but despite having the man in his sights, the bullet veered off and hit the side of the machine with a solid clang. The second shot fared no better, the bullet again curving in the air to embed itself in the dark metal of the machine. Murray was already standing inside the entrance of the machine. It's magnetized! She yelled at him. Use a match! Craig knew he had no other choice, but was glad that Murray's motto was, a gun is never just a gun. He pulled a match out of his pocket, striking it with his thumbnail in one continuous motion and jamming the flame into a small hole in the side of his weapon. The handle of the gun immediately began to heat up and he hurled it across the room, straight past Murray and into the machine's deadly opening. After that, everything happened very quickly. The smoking gun burst into flames inside the machine which started rattling again and threw out a blast that catapulted Murray back out into the room. She sprang to her feet and ran towards the door and Craig, whilst everyone else was looking stunned at the machine. It was growing much noisier than it had been and the glow had changed from red to almost white and was rapidly becoming brighter. Out! It's going to explode! The Italian screamed. Everyone ran even over the noise of the explosion. 
they could still hear a woman scream. No! As Mary stumbled out into the fresh air, leaving the dust and fumes of the explosion behind, she caught sight of the man who had invited them on the mission, walking back into the castle. Motioning to Craig, they followed him inside and almost caught up with him until he disappeared into a room behind a heavy wooden door. They knocked on the door and, after a moment or two shuffling sounds, it swung open and the room was revealed. But a completely different man was sitting inside. Yes? Emperor Franz Josef turned around to see who had come into his chambers. Your Highness? You hired us? Mary asked when she saw his face and recognized him instantly. So, what did you find? He asked, ignoring her question and looking directly at Craig. Mary just thought, man. There was a machine in the basement, but it blew up. We didn't have enough time to figure out what it did before it was destroyed. Was that the rumble I heard? I thought it was another earthquake. Yes, Your Highness. So we are no further, are we? I wouldn't say that. We found the strange machine, and it's gone now. The people working for the Empress know they've been found out, so I doubt they will try again any time soon. Whatever it was they were trying to do. Hmm, probably. Thank you anyway, and give my thanks also to Director Sound. The Emperor nodded. This time, neither one of the agents shook his hand, but they bowed curtly before leaving the room and the palace. When the door was closed, he sank down in his chair. Franz Josef didn't know what was going to happen next. He didn't know whether his wife was going to start building that murderous machine again, or if she was just going to leave once more on her travels of discovery, looking for who knew what strange things far, far away. A single tear ran down the Emperor's cheek. Outside the palace, in the cold night air, the agents stopped. What now? Craig asked. I don't know. Even if I did, you probably wouldn't believe me anyway. Murray answered. You must think I'm a right idiot. He continued. Quite right, she confirmed. So? So what? You didn't tell me what now? He asked again. Let's go home, you right idiot. Genf, September 10, 1898. Dear diary, it's time for me to leave again. This is not the place where I will find rest. The machine is gone, and so have all my hopes. All my letters have remained unanswered, and so have my prayers. I will not find the answers that I seek here, so I will leave. Franz came to visit, imploring that I return to Vienna with him. He does not understand that he cannot answer my questions. I asked him where Sophie was. I can still feel her tiny, lifeless body in my arms so long ago. Rudolf understood. Oh, he understood me too well. Sometimes I wish he hadn't. Maybe I should have talked to him more, confided in him. Now he has left me too, my boy. I can't return to Vienna, not yet. For now, I have to leave. Sissy. Lucini stood in the dark alleyway, a firm grip on the dagger in his hand. 
He knew they would be coming this way, walking right past him. Failing his empress was not an option. Sissy left her hotel in Genf, surrounded by her entourage, heading for the imperial airship they were about to board to continue their journey. Through the cheering crowd, she suddenly spotted a familiar face making its way towards her. Hope welled up inside her as the Italian stepped out from the masses and came close to talk to her. She wondered whether he had finally found a way for her to see her children again. I promised you that I could arrange for you to meet death. Lucani whispered in the Empress's ear as he plunged the dagger into her heart. The Empress guards grabbed Lucani and took him away while Sissy watched them, slightly confused by the shocked expressions of those around her, but her corset was so tight she had not even noticed that he had stabbed her. By the time it dawned on her that she was dying, all she could see were the faces of her children. Katarina Bordet lives in Vienna, Austria, with her husband. She works as a lawyer and is currently working towards her doctorate. It still manages to find time for writing fiction, taking photographs, and recording podcasts. These interests all come together in the regular podcast Every Photo Tells, where her photographs inspire short stories by herself and many other writers, with well over 100 episodes produced to date. When it came time to record a podcast version of The Coffee Legacy, a.k.a. Wienerblut 1, her standing within the podcast community resulted in a who's who of audio fiction, appearing in roles within the full cast audio production. The sequel, Danube Waves, Wienerblut 2, is currently in production and will be published in summer 2015. Besides writing fiction, Katerina also published some non-fiction with her husband, Mick. They wrote a Christmas market guidebook full of photos, reviews and tips in English and German. It was titled Christmas Markets in Vienna. Theme music composed and performed by Alex White. Find out more at thegearheart.com. For more from the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences, visit ministryofpeculiaroccurrences.com to order The Diamond Conspiracy. Now available everywhere in your favorite bookstores and online in print, digital and audio. This podcast is protected by the Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, share-alike 3.0 license. For more information, visit creativecommons.org. Tales from the Archives. And Imagine That Studios, Ace Books production. I'm T. Morris. And I'm Philippa Ballantyne. Thank Thank you you for for listening. listening.